0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Are you in Are you fashion? fashion. fashion. Do you see what she's wearing? Baton no. shoes. I'm Sonia Sly. My heels are killing me. Um, but I was told I had a backstage pass.
1: You will need to get the right pass to get behind me. Look, I need to go. Code red, code red, code We have a situation.
0: I'm taking you inside the fashion industry to discuss trends, the reality behind the glamour, and the highs and lows of a fast-paced industry that never stops.
1: So, of course, you've got the editor who needs to be in the front. Looking at a big, big venue, you might have another seat next to them Maybe at a stretch, an, another one. But generally, you've got you'd have the editor and the, and the next best fashion person next to them.
0: Murray Bevan is the founder of Auckland fashion PR agency Showroom Twenty Two. He's been in the fashion game for almost two decades, and over the past few years has broadened the agency's reach into events management. So now he works closely with New Zealand Fashion Week.
1: Oh man, everyone turns into a monster at Fashion Week. Like the nicest people you'll ever meet will turn into the most vicious, unkind people. And it's mostly about invitations to shows.
0: Murray cut his teeth in the industry, working for designer Karen Walker. He knows all too well that those front row seats are highly covetable places to be. So how does it work? And are there politics involved in terms of who gets first dibs?
1: Present me with 400 people from the industry in an orderly line and I can seat them. It's not done on let's make the front row look pretty. My first job to the designer who's paid all that money to be there, every seat in there has a value. So you've got a room that costs $20,000 and there's 400 seats. You know that every seat costs 50 bucks. I have to fill those seats based on what value is that person in that seat going to give to that brand.
0: But unfortunately, there are some people who think...
1: The show was about them. Some of those guys are the ones that will get changed two or three times a day. There were some bloggers that came over from Australia, and a lot of the time they were just on their phones in the front row, not taking photos and posting them. This is like being in an art gallery. You're there to pay respect to some form of art. A, you've been invited. You are not here out of right. You're here out of privilege. If you're going to play the game, then be respectful to the game.
0: Murray has encountered plenty of drama and drama queens in the industry, especially working on international shows for Karen Walker.
1: We were seeding a show uh, 2005 or 2006. Karen is very, very specific with who she wants at her shows, and she is probably the person that taught me the most... When I have an invite list, that is the invite list. 99% of the time, they will turn up and they will be in that seat. They'll turn up early because no one misses a Karen Walker show. There was one year where.
0: Someone couldn't make it to a show and had passed their ticket onto a colleague, but it's a no go zone.
1: And I had been told if someone comes to the door, and doesn't own that ticket, they are not to to be let in, you know. So this person gets to the door and presents me this ticket, and I said, I can't let you in. I have to tell the designer, and they will fill that seat. Anyway, it got very heated, and this person turned on a dime and screamed at me, I'll never forget this, Murray Bevan, and then walked out of the venue. (laughs) Yep.
0: Yep. People will do all sorts of things to gain access to a show, especially one by Karen Walker, including one woman who had a ticket passed down by an editor who's no longer in the country. So this uninvited guest bowled along to the venue.
1: Trying to walk through the door without stopping and just wave this ticket in front of me. And I'd been told to watch out for that ticket. And I see this thing dash in front of me. And I grabbed it, and this person was on the phone pretending like, oh, look, I can't stop and talk. And I said, this isn't your ticket. And she looked at me and her jaw kind of dropped. And I just went and ripped it in half. Her face was like, I can't believe this is happening to me right now. Can you move to the back of the line? There would have been like 100 people behind her waiting to queue in. That's probably the height of how cynical and kind of, it feels a bit wanky. You know, it's not my job to bend the rules. Those
0: stories definitely kind of propel... Yeah, they propel
1: that myth, right? The industry that I work in and the people that I trust and the people that employ me are also, nine times out of ten, not the people that perpetuate those stories either. But I'm still going to do my job for them.
0: But outside of runway events, Murray's primary concern is the showroom. There are floor-to-ceiling racks of shoes, accessories by Karen Walker, covetable leatherwear by Deadly Ponies, and garment racks holding the likes of New Zealand brands 27 Names and young New Zealand label Harman Grubisher, who recently won a prestigious International Walmark Award. And those sit alongside international brands like Camilla and Mark, Levi's and Stella McCartney. And they've yet to hit storefront windows and shelves
1: busy all the time we don't work with any brands that that we don't like i believe in these designers and i think what they're doing is great everyone comes up here and they're like oh my god why how come i haven't seen this before
0: editors come in Mm. stylists to to basically pick pieces out for the cover of magazines. Is it your job to kind of push particular brands your way?
1: We let the editors and the stylists do their job. I am not a fashion editor. I have never had a big interest in fashion. It's not like I'm going to judge what a stylist has done in Fashion Quarterly or Canvas or Simply You or Black Magazine. I do not have the expertise to do that. The good editors and, you know, the likes of Kalia and sally Ann's team at FQ, Dan at at Viva and Canvas, etc., they will go hunting for the stuff that they know will fit the bill for their shoot. Everyone is becoming time poor. So the concept of a showroom that can courier you a bag of things to your desk within two hours... That's exciting. (laughs) It's a a dream, you know. I mean, in in the world of PR, what we're doing is instead of packaging up a press release full of words and syllables and letters, we're packaging up clothing bags full of amazing products that Mm. that stylist needs to create their own fashion story. For the brands to sit side by side also... We don't want one to scream louder than the other. We want them all to be be used on their merit. Yeah, we're a PR agency, and yes, we're pushing our own brands that we represent, but when you're in the family, you take your foot off the gas a bit.
0: Do you like being surrounded by clothes?
1: Uh, Yeah, I do, actually. I never really thought that I would end up Anywhere near fashion, literally fell into it. Being an eight-year-old kid, you know, growing up in Howick, my idea of looking good was like a Bart Simpson T-shirt and, you know, pony high-top sneakers. Sure, I like stuff that is presented well. You know, my dad was in the Air Force. He, you know, would have had that respect and that dignity of dressing up and you know wearing your uniform and that kind of thing and I was always at school I always had my socks pulled up and my shirt tucked in and everything and never ever thought oh that means I must have a a love or an interest in fashion it just was me wanting to be neat and tidy you know.
0: And it's Murray's sense of order and especially his efficiency that has made his agency one of the longest and most successful in the business.
1: Like I'll find myself on the phone (laughs) I'll be calling someone and I'll wander into the showroom and just start spacing out hangers. I'm all about efficiency, and that probably echoes what we've done in the showroom, being fast and getting back to people and giving them the information that they want. I don't really suffer much small talk. We want to get straight to the point and give people what they need.
0: I need to hear you on the phone now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you're basically surrounded by a team of women. And I guess the industry is probably dominated by women anyway, yes. would you say?
1: I started this business as a 22-year-old guy, pretty much a boy. I was pitching to an industry that was very established with older women, and it was tough at the beginning because they were like, oh, you're from Murray from Karen Walker. And I was like, yes, I have spent some time with Karen, but now I'm doing this thing. They were like, oh, great, so do you have Karen Walker in the showroom? No, we'll come back next time.
0: People talk about the fast-paced fashion industry. Like, how yeah. fast is it for you guys here on the floor?
1: When I started the company on my own, things were hectic, you know. Admittedly, then we would get a call from Derek Henderson in Sydney saying, hey, we, we need a, an assistant or we need help producing a photo shoot in Auckland for a magazine from London. And that stuff just blew my mind. You know, I was, after working for Karen for two years... And yes, you know, dealing with Vogue Australia and Al and Marie Claire and dealing with magazines in Tokyo and New York and, you know, that was exciting. But to be achieving things on a global scale on my own, that blew me away. That was exciting and that was fast paced. But then what we recalibrated to was how are we going to be able to deliver exciting projects and exciting things and be involved in exciting things day to day in New Zealand. The New Zealand fashion industry, it's not New York, it's not Tokyo it's not you know Paris and Milan it has its special niche and it has value and it has integrity
0: And what is that niche You compare it to, say, Tokyo.
1: Yeah, well, again, in 15 years, it's changed massively. Mm -hmm. Everything that happened between when I opened in 2002 and probably about 2007, 2008, global financial crisis, in those early years, you get Juliet Hogan, who won the Dare to Be scholarship with Karen Walker and Steinlager and and studied at Parsons in New York, the likes of Catherine Wilson and 27 Names and Marla Brakovich, Stolen Girlfriends Club, Adrian Halewood. You know, the list goes on and on and on. And even in the last two and a half to three years, there's more new brands starting. It's hard for us now to put a a banner or a a word or a meaning around what New Zealand fashion is because it's very, very scattered.
0: Lots of different things now. Yeah, and
1: we're not dark and moody. You can't say that about New Zealand fashion. Yeah, niche, I don't know. There is no niche. And I suppose that's also been fueled hugely by the way the world has worked in a media sense. Kiwis can... Chase a trend, they can chase a market anywhere in the world, they can try and replicate a look all based on, uh, you know, a million ideas that they're seeing every day.
0: But it makes it harder for New Zealand designers, don't you think, though, now that we do have that access to, like, you know, the global marketplace, everybody can buy something online from an international designer. And
1: yeah, that it, makes it more.
0: It's harder for New Zealand designers. Yeah,
1: it's hard. That's a massive conversation. And you look at people like Uniqlo or COS or H&M or Topshop or Zara, and you look at how they 've homogenized their store rollouts and their look around the world though a lot of those stores are challenging that perception that the homogenization is actually there 's a bit of a backlash to that, and people want unique that is why I suppose when people visit New Zealand and they don 't see a lot of that homogenized big city fashion, people love that that 's good. we should be embracing that and you know so you can walk down at Britomart or You look at the new commercial bay development and and the way that they're approaching fashion. You look at the way Teed Street and Newmarket, Wellington, Lambton Quay, etc. has developed. There's a lot of local fashion and everyone has their own voice and their own look.
0: Being in the industry for close on two decades, Murray has seen plenty of shifts in the way that the fashion industry is run and he also has strong thoughts on what he'd like to see happen in fashion media.
1: The power that they have at the moment is is pushing relevant, interesting, much-needed information to people who are interested in fashion. And right now, in a time of political turmoil and ethical turmoil now is the time for the media to stand up and and go okay maybe we shouldn't post another picture of kim or kendall and maybe we should step back and ask a question about does the story you know not only does it fill my you know column inches but is it needed is it necessary you know that's where i'd like the power shift to happen
0: that was murray bevan the director and founder of fashion pr agency showroom 22 And this podcast was produced and presented by me, Sonia Sly, and engineered by Mark Chesterman. If you'd like to listen to more fashion-related stories, you can head to My Heels Are Killing Me on the RNZ series and podcast page. And you can also subscribe on iTunes, where we'd love for you to rate this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, you also might like Just One Thing and one of my RNZ favourites, Bang!